1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad with Matt and Brad, guys. How are you? I'm doing good, Shad.
0: I'm doing good as well.
1: It is fall here. It It is fall. It hasn't cooled off quite like fall yet, but it is fall.
0: No, we actually get to see the leaves change this year, which can be a rarity in Ohio.
1: Well, they haven't really started changing in Kentucky yet, but um, we'll get there. We want to say thank you, everybody out there, for tuning in with us for this episode. We'll take care of our shout-outs first thing. The first one goes to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. Collarandelbowbrand.com. Use the promo code for Corners Podcast. That is the number four, capital C and Corners, capital P and Podcast, to save 10% off your order. They have some new shirts up. They have a, uh, let me see, they've got a... Uh, Halloween-themed, it's Frankenhead. Um, They have the Daphne Memorial shirt. They have the Trevor Murdoch, everybody's a tough guy until they meet one shirt. And they have the Collar and Elbow Drip shirt. So, some new shirts that are out there. And um, so, uh, you know, use our promo code, save some money, get yourself some comfy
2: wrestling shirts.
1: And our other shout-out means we go over to Matt.
2: Uh, yeah, that'd be to Orlando Cologne. You know, Orlando Cologne, he doesn't practice Santeria. He doesn't have a crystal ball. Uh, he might pop a Captain Sancho. Um, oh, wait, though. I'm I'm talking about Santeria when I should be talking about voodoo. Voodoo. Because we're going to see some voodoo in this show. Oh, that sounds like a segue, Matt. It is a segue. I'm offended
0: yeah. Cage Match has it as Rasta the Voodoo Man when it should be Mon. It's Mon. I
2: know. It's with an O. They I call know. it out
1: specifically. So, yes, Rasta the Voodoo Mon. We are going into part three of the TV title tournament for the GWF. We're finally getting through the first round. Yes, f- finally. Three episodes to get through the first round of this tournament. And here we are. So, yes. Um, so we get we this, get
0: a very we get we get some international flavor with our first match because we get very totally British Axel Rotten versus. Um, well,
1: hang on because you're skipping Street. over a little bit. We got an in, we got another entire recap segment, but Even, we also got an interview with Buddy Landell yes. before the uh, the match starts up. Um,
0: and Buddy Landell is a treat on this episode. Let's just get that out of the way.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he was a prick. <laughs> He did a great job. Buddy Landell is not afraid to be hated and um uh, I really I really appreciate
0: no, that. No, we'll, we'll get to it. I love when the ref was trying to break them up in the corner and he just Oh my god. He just shivs like the elbow shivs the the ref in the back and he's like he's like no, he did it.
1: Yes. Yes, we'll get to that cuz I loved all of those antics. But you're right, the first match has an international flair. What did we have? Um Totally, totally not
0: a guy pertaining to be British. Axel Rotten. Also, <laughs> self-proclaimed soccer star against Adrian Street not going by exotic here, I don't think. Yeah. So there's one thing I love, and it's a, it's an Adrian Street kind of signature move. But I love when he gets like the guy backed in the corner and he just smacks him on the ass.
2: oh yeah there was a lot of that uh literal grab assing early early (laughs)
0: we'll call it we'll call it tom foolery Mm
2: -hmm. there's
0: there's there's one he did in memphis that's hilarious i need to find it he'll where he like he'll literally jump in a guy's arms and then kiss them on the lips and then roll them up like when they're disgusted by what he just did
1: yeah they're freaking out
0: yeah he he's um I have to say, Adrian Street is a really good wrestler. And even here where you can tell he's a little broken down, he's still...
1: He is he's, dynamic.
2: He's, yes. He's and entertaining. Yeah. At this point, Brad, he probably had been in the business like 34, 35 years. Let's see if I can he'd see. Been, he'd been in a long time already at this point. Cause like, he's, like, he's still alive. He's like 80 right now.
0: This said his beginning of his in-ring career was 1957. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't start hitting the States until the late
2: 70s. What what promotions was he primarily in? Because by the time I actually, I, I started watching in like the early 90s. But by that point, you never really saw him because I think his career had mostly like been winding down. But I did read about him like in the after mags. Um, and I would see him occasionally on like, maybe like USWA or something like that, but I didn't really see much of him.
0: So he did, he did, he did a stint in Mid-South and then he did, um, he did Memphis off and on and then he did a really long stint in Continental.
1: Yeah. Yep. Uh, I'm looking at that entry right now. That's a lot of people he feuded with.
0: Because Continental is very much was more friendly to smaller guys. So I think that's why mm-hmm. he he hung out there longer. Mm-hmm. And he's so, very much like so he's obviously he's obviously doing a gay gimmick but he's also like here he's he's kind of toned that down. He's doing more like a, almost like a glam rock gimmick I'd say.
2: I think that's a good way of putting it. It's, it's bordering with into like a exotico type of but yeah. not really not quite it's it's more like i wouldn't call it gay it's more like effeminate and but that was always like his gimmick is that he would he would portray like a feminine like an effeminate character and people it would, obviously it, because of the, the times it causes big reaction with people
0: but he wasn't who, like his was a very different take though because if you watch like mm-hmm. his stuff like in memphis like he'll start the match he'll be prancing around doing Mm -hmm. all that stuff then the bell rings and then he's like straight up just murdering the guy and like he stops prancing and stuff it's like it's almost like it's almost like him where he's doing it just to fuck with people and like troll people and like Mm -hmm. get people off their guard
2: and he had a valet who was his wife Uh, well no i'm sorry
0: they didn't get married until like the early 2000s i think we found out on this like way like a couple years ago on this show
2: yeah yeah it, it that's it there's a lot of like tragedy in professional wrestling but that's one of i would consider one of the really rare like truly happy endings like he she was his valet for probably like by the time they got engaged or married they, they were that was his valet for like probably like 30 years or something yeah maybe longer and then finally like when they're they're older like they get they finally get married but it's like they they live happily ever after like he's He's like 80 now. Let me let me actually try and, and Google like recent. Oh wow. Okay. There's a recent pick of him as of like last year. So he was like 79, mm-hmm. and he is still like jacked. He's like much. He's in much better shape than a like a 79 year old dude should be. Yeah. Uh. So like that's I'm happy. He was. That was something about him. Like he he could like realistically murder guys. Cause it's like, I think in real life that that dude probably like could handle business.
1: If you're going to have a Maybe gimmick you... like that in that time period, you better be able
0: No, to. no let's, yeah. let's put that in proper context. If you're going to do that gimmick in the deep, deep South in the eighties, like you better, you, you better know you can, you can jack up motherfucker mm-hmm. up if he, if you need to. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. You won't have to be able to throw, but, um, you know, after he retired, Good lord, Matt, you're right. He is jacked. Um after he retired, he he did uh, ring gear. Yes. And I knew some guys that that ordered stuff from him. it took a while to get it because they had such a big order, but they got really good
2: ring gear from him.
1: And his last match was in 2014.
2: Yeah. I he, he started wrestling in the 50s. You know, I I'm looking at all I'm looking at photos. Which I think are allegedly, I think they're supposed to be from 2020, and they could be like from a little bit earlier. But uh, like Miss, no offense, but his wife, Miss Linda, looks really good too. Like mm-hmm. you know, those two people, I don't know what the, I don't know what their diet and exercise regimen is, but I kind of want to steal it because yeah, they like they look fantastic for their their age. Yeah,
1: they got they got uh, married in 2005.
0: Mm-hmm. He must just have been one of those like no vices like. No sweets, beer or like cigarettes or anything.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. Um, twenty eighteen they moved back to Wales. So uh, I don't think they sell gear in the States anymore, but you know, good for them. He's They're having a good long run. He's a guy that I'm glad he's
0: also he's up there with the destroyer and guys that really got their due from a new generation, like when all that footage started becoming readily available.
1: Mhm.
0: Mhm. And um, it makes me happy because he's really—I mean, if you haven't seen an Adrian Street match, go look stuff up on YouTube because he really is like a treat.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He was—he was always very smart with the gimmick because again, it was not—it wasn't done offensively, and it, it was—it was to the extent that you could play that gimmick smart, like he played it smart, like really smart. Yeah. It was and the it was proto a, Gold Dust gimmick the
1: the mind games proto gold list thing
2: kind of yes and well, he he's and a good worker too which
1: where
0: where i thought his gimmick was smart too is even in the 80s where that was a heat magnet you could still find ways to turn that face and he doesn't have to do that much different because <clears throat> then he could play it for laughs instead of to antagonize people
2: and that is eventually what he did do like he he turned face and I think, like, in the 80s, he turned face, and I don't know if he ever switched back. I think he may have just stayed face.
0: Yeah. But he's really, like, he actually gets, I think, something watchable out of Axel Rotten here.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He wrestles around Rotten a lot. And he's got some really cool um, transitions. Like, he, he works a hammerlock, but does, like, this headstand cartwheel thing on the mat to to transition it over and stuff. Like... He wrestles around. Rot- Rotten's basically just a lump in this match. Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> so you're watching Adrian put in the work. Well,
0: but I hated I hated the end of this. This is like the worst way to do a cheating. And so he he gets the visual pin on Adrian Street, and they find out he used a foreign object, and then turn around to DQ him, which I hate because it makes both of them look bad.
2: Oh, uh, see, I kind of like this finish because the- <laughs> This is one of the rare instances where a heel cheats and it gets it backfires on him after the yeah. fact. I yeah, uh, I
1: didn't mind it either for that same yeah. reason.
2: Yeah, there was something that I caught uh earlier in the match when Adrian was working over uh Axel's arm, which was like that yeah. was it was good arm work, but at no one the, the they didn't uh mention this in commentary, but I have a personal like I have a personal thing for this but he basically takes axel's fingers and i don't know if you noticed this he started splitting the fingers and like pulling mm. them apart did you guys notice that yeah i did that's first off that's brutal like you guys don't really do that so much i guess um i guess marty scroll would kind of do something like I that but I, like way
0: marty scroll does it though
2: yeah but like pete, pete dunn would has Done it in recent times, like that's looked pretty good. I I like it because it adds like it adds more drama to it. It Makes it it looks working over the arm, looking more brutal. But I marked out when I saw that here because I flashed back to Halloween Havoc '93. Mm. That's one of the first pay per views I ever like. My parents ever let me order. I was I had been into wrestling maybe like a year, Uh, and I actually I got my parents to order this because I was fascinated by the. The Vader-Cactus Jack-Texas Death match. Well, it was a it was the spin-the-wheel-make-the-deal match. But oh, okay. in, the, in the undercard, it was Paul Orndorff against Ricky Steamboat, which was like a really fantastic match. They went like almost 20 minutes. And Jesse Ventura and Tony Schiavone were on commentary. And Steamboat does that to Paul Orndorff, which is more like a heel move, even though he was a face. And even in this match, Adrian Street was a face. But he starts like pulling apart and splitting Paul Oranger's fingers and Jesse Ventura like has a fucking stroke practically he's like he's splitting <laughs> he split the finger your body. that's blatantly illegal and like has it goes into like a conniption like how can you do that that's blatant cheating
0: is that cheating
2: like the ref better step in and like I don't know that it is but he was making a big deal that it was like it's it certainly was uh he was he was indicating that it was illegal like, and it was a legal move to do When that it was, you know, dastardly a Ricky Steamboat, this good guy to be doing that, which that's the thing that we've talked about, Jesse, like that I did love about that. If if the face was supposed to be on the up and up and he's doing something like, you know, shady or illegal, then he would definitely like, call him out on it. Jesse was also very good
1: about inventing things to be enraged by. Yeah. So, you know, it kind of sounds like that. That's what we got here. Mm -hmm.
0: You know, I I wish he had never done that conspiracy show. Because anytime we talk about Jesse, I just want to be like, mind control. (laughs) (laughs) What was that stupid show? That was on, like, true TV, wasn't it?
1: Yes. I think it was. Jesse Ventura's
2: Conspiracy. I think it was called Conspiracy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I remember because Patrice did this bit on Opie and Anthony about it, where he was, they were like looking for the 9 nine eleven wreckage. And he was like, mm-hmm. they won't let us in the warehouse. And Patrice is like making fun of him. like, Mr. Fuji, throw salt in their eyes so we can get in the building. <laughs> yeah because <laughs> little known fact i think people don't remember is patrice Neal was actually a wwe writer at one point it, he talked about it on LA. he but...
2: was for a brief period of time
0: yeah and he wow. talked
2: about it once or twice
1: patrice okay i,
2: I want to hear that i i i miss patrice he's been gone for years now like i miss him like so i, I every now and again i'll i'll listen to clips of him on on youtube because he was just brilliant and the thing that i will always love about patrice o'neill is that he just did not give a shit and that, that kind of affected his career probably he should have been like a big bigger star than he was but he would just had his opinion he'd voice his opinion and it's like he didn't necessarily care about the repercussions because i think he like i think he mouthed mouth off to, to stephanie or whatever back in the day and she's like you're fired and he's like okay <laughs> and she's like well, no, you don't understand. That means you can't work here anymore. He's like, yeah, I know. That's fine. (laughs) I'm okay with that. And he just left. And it's like most people would die for like a for a WWE gig. And he was like shrugging his shoulders. Like, yeah, okay, whatever.
1: I'm afraid at this point I I would hang myself if I had a WWE gig like that. It's like, no, I'm not doing this. Yeah, but uh, Okay, I misspeak. I wouldn't do that, but I would be gone. It's just like no, this is not worth the hassle. Yeah. But I, I I do miss Patrice my favorite thing that Patrice had with his delivery was just so good. I loved like this is such a jacked up thing to remember, but I can't he was doing it as part of some benefit show, I think. But he goes up there, he goes, You know, I don't know about the rest of you, but uh and he just pauses for a second like he lost his train of thought and then he goes, I'm really gonna miss SARS. And it's just <laughs> – and him saying, like, I can't duplicate his delivery, but just I, – I have a crystal clear memory of him doing that, and it just hits perfectly. And it's like, how – can you do that? And Patrice is like, I'm going to do it. You know?
2: Mm-hmm. So. He has so many classic bits. One of the best ones is that he, he would do this whole bit about how, like, yeah, I don't litter. It's like I don't – because like I don't need to be like walking down the street and like drinking my soda and then be done with the soda and throw it into the bushes. And all of a sudden, like they find a dead white woman with my <laughs> soda can next to her with my <laughs> fingerprints on it. And all of a sudden you know I'm arrested. Like, look, there he is. There he is, officer, the soda can rapist. <laughs>
0: there, there's one he does about the TSA that cracks me up because he's talking about how he's a dirty perv. <laughs> and he he thinks I'm like so the T S A the T S A people because he's like talking about like yeah you know like a woman like a woman bends over and I'm like ooh ass crack like delicious ass crack and he's like you know then I go to the T S A and I get like the thing and like ooh are these, are these like your balls between your legs <laughs> like just like he, there's always like the weird, the stuff he'd come up with mm-hmm. or just I, even I, on O N A when he would just like attack a caller for no reason
1: yeah. I think that it might have been a clip I stumbled across that was from ONA, but where Jim Norton convinced him that face-off was terrible. Yeah, that was... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That just at the end of it, he's laughing so hard and said, I didn't realize it, but now I hate that movie too. He was yeah. like,
0: Jim Norton talks about like something like John Travolta does. And then Patrice is like, he's like, you know what? It's like, you're right. Like, fuck that movie.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like total, that, like heel turd hand like... down the face move they do. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, you're doing that and you're messing up my eyelashes. And I'm just, I'm going to be blinking all the time. What the hell are you doing that for? And Patrice is just falling out of his chair. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, uh, that's a classic one I, he didn't start off like hating it he's like you know i like i like face off and jim norton just jumps like no you don't <laughs> he just he goes into like a 20 minute tirade about how dumb the movie was yeah uh there's another one that's in in kind of uh, a sequel to that one is when yeah. they they talk they talk they talk about um independence day the mid-90s will smith alien mm-hmm. movie and Jim Jim Norton absolutely, like, destroys that one. And at the very beginning of it, Patrice just, like, starts laughing outright. It's like, oh, no, you're not, you're not doing this to me again. <laughs> it's <just> like, you <laughs> like that movie? <laughs> and some of the Jim Norton's uh, critiques are hilarious. He he names the Judd Hirsch character a specific word that I can't oh. – I'm not going to repeat. I'm not going to yeah. repeat because we would think that we're being, like, anti-Semitic and we're not. But he just is is – he was he, doing a commentary about how like the, that character in the film is pretty much like the most ridiculous Jewish stereotype. Like, you might as, <laughs> like it might a,
0: as well have been like those like 20s, like those twenties and thirties like German propaganda cartoons. Yes, about,
2: it's yeah. it's an absolutely ridiculous portrayal. Yeah, like yeah,
0: like you've theory. seen it online, like the one like the the big nose and they're like wringing mm-hmm. their hands like evilly mm-hmm. like that. It was essentially that.
1: Okay, it it's. This is this is a weird thing to say, but they found a way to make a worse characterization than Henry Zabrowski making um, David Berkowitz, the son of Sand Killer into a Jewish stereotype. Oh, that one's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I appreciate what the guys on that podcast do in order to, like. Demystify serial killers, and so they turned David Berkowitz into like Kyle's cousin on South Park, the mm-hmm. the the hypochondriac, like that sort of stuff, and they did that with David Berkowitz. But that's still not as bad as um, as as Judd Hirsch, now, in, the, the guy
0: thing. on the guy in Family Guy that's like I was very injured. Like that guy is still yeah, like yeah. dialing that down a couple a couple of degrees. Yeah.
2: The Jerky voice dude. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. So wrestling. Uh.
0: <laughs> well, I'm just avoiding the next match because I was texting Shad, and I swear to God, this match is 20 minutes. And I know it wasn't. I'm just like, I'm like this fucking Jeff Gaylord Rasta the Voodoo Mon match won't end.
2: It yeah. went on a long time.
0: And for like, what it was, like I was just like, this does not need to keep going on.
1: No, there was no, like they get, they come out, and and Rasta has. I think he's got the best monster gimmick that I've seen in GWF because it's it's more a gimmick than anything else there, and like Muck and Singh is a big dude who who will just crush you, but it that's not as much a gimmick kind of thing. Whereas Rasta is like very much.
0: Well, he was a football player. He was um, Lester Spate. He's actually he's actually uh-huh. in the Titans TV show currently. Okay. Is he? Yeah, he is. Um, who the fuck is he? <laughs> Just saw that he was in it. He.
2: I mean, he's most famously known for a series of commercials where it's like Terry Tate, office linebacker.
1: Oh my god, I love those commercials. Yeah, oh, yeah.
2: They're, they're really good commercials. they really I didn't funny.
1: realize it was the same guy. <laughs>
2: he's take like your pins, Richard. Like he that those are really funny, and that's what he. Um, he oh,
0: found he's um far. he's in all the he's in all the Gears of War games.
2: Is, um, yes, he Augustus is
0: Augustus Cole.
2: Yes, he he played uh, Cole, aka like Coltrane, like that. That's uh that was really good. He's actually done way more stuff than you would have realized, rather than him be an actual like <laughs> a wrestler.
0: He's um so he he's Mister Atlas and Titans. He did um he did um the Meteor Man.
2: Ah, oh, that's not a good movie.
0: Any given Sunday. Harold and Kumar Escape from Guantanamo Bay, mm-hmm. um, Transformers, Dark of the Moon, and you did Walker I'm... Texas Ranger. Wow, the Walker Texas Ranger was still on in 2000.
1: Yep, they had kind of like Chuck Norris was doing less and less. They had like a new generation of people around to do stuff.
2: Are you aware?
1: Was Terry Funk they... on
0: a Walker Texas Ranger episode?
1: Or was Probably that um? Obviously. No
0: wait. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was he on that or was he on Quantum? I know he's on Quantum Leap. Was he on?
1: He was on Quantum Leap? What? Pretty sure. Wow.
2: Uh, I don't know, but have, are you aware that they have remade Walker, Texas Ranger?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think I knew that.
2: Yeah, oh. it's it's with, uh, I want to say Jared Halecki or something like it's.
1: Oh, Jared Halecki dude... from uh, yes, Supernatural.
2: Yes, from Supernatural. Like, it's that
1: guy
0: he wasn't he was on quantum leap he was also on the adventures of briscoe county jr
1: oh i love that show i keep awesome. meaning to watch that show and just keep forgetting to do it
0: and swamp thing oh and thunder and in paradise
1: swamp. oh well yeah, that's the gem right there isn't it was on bones
0: Oh, he's in roadhouse i forget he's in roadhouse
1: oh we're on terry fun yeah. yeah yeah oh that that's the thing the first time I watched Roadhouse with my now-wife, then-girlfriend, we're sitting there, and we're watching, and they go out back, and, and someone calls him out, and he whips around, and he goes, back off, Dad. And I'm like, that's Terry Funk, and my wife goes, mm-hmm. who? And I went, Terry Funk, and she went, who? And I was like – i need a minute like i i've i've had a mental record scratch
0: can, can i can i mention something about rasta the voodoo man because i'm looking at pictures of um of um lester spate right now yeah. and you know he's kind of an attractive dude i don't know if i would have done this gimmick with him and put him in face paint instead of like maybe taking advantage <laughs> of his looks a little better
2: mm-hmm.
0: like he's not a bad looking he... dude at all
2: no, he's a big, jacked up dude. Not a bad looking guy. Like you could have had him be just like a straight up heel. You could have played on his like actual professional sports background to be like a. Oh, you could have done like a. Like a, a not I said like a football gimmick, but definitely like a a, a real sports type of gimmick. You could
1: have gimmick. done a Ron Simmons gimmick with him.
2: You you yeah. could have. You could have had him be like a like a face like.
0: Yeah. Cuz this yeah. this match wasn't good, but I will say this about him. He was obviously green and should not have been in this position, but he was not a stiff.
1: No, he was not. He, that makes him entirely different than uh was it Chris Walker from last yeah. episode? Yeah. He he's not a stiff, but he recognizes he's limited and works around it. And, like, and it, that's that's pretty good. And I thought
0: they had a good like 3 minute match in them because I thought I thought Jeff Gaylord was pretty game to protect him. They just made them go way too long for what he is yes. capable of.
1: And like just, in my note, in my notes, it's um the match stays decently competitive. Like they're kind of staying even with each other, but then it just keeps going. So and, could it please not?
0: And like he just didn't have enough in his wheelhouse for like. Gaylord to keep working with him. Like I really think if you would have kept this to three minutes, they would have had something pretty good. Because like it starts out okay and then you're just like it just keeps going and going. It's like they really don't even know what to do at this point because he's done it, like the five moves he knows.
1: And, well, like, and Gaylord kept defaulting to that it was it looked good, but it was kind of a a, a rising football tackle thing. Yeah. But he did that like four times in the go home stretch. Like if this had been like I don't know eight minutes would have been fine, but mm-hmm. it just kept it just
2: stretched. Maybe
1: I'm maybe I'm overshooting and it was eight minutes, but it didn't feel like it. Well,
2: it, it, the thing that frustrated me is that they they did all of that and then all that all of that for a guy that you're you're kind of trying to build as like a monster or like a big gimmick, and then he wins by just rolling up Jeff Gaylord and pulling the tights. Yeah, I was like, yeah. "What is that?" Just have, have yeah. him just beat him outright. And there was another thing that he used. I I remember him using in a different like GWF match that they they started at the very beginning of this match and then never did anything with it. He he would do this gimmick where he would like take his little staff and like point at like his opponent and then point mm-hmm. at, like a body part, and it's supposed to be like some sort of voodoo curse on that body part. Because at the very beginning they did that, and the Jeff like he pointed to like Jeff Gaylord's like. Uh, Arm. Like his shoulder, yeah, his yeah. shoulder, yeah. and like and like he put a curse on it. And at the very beginning, Jack Taylor, it's like he's like sh- rolling his shirt, he's like shaking his shoulder, like well, yeah. know, doing circles with it, like he's he has entered his 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 arm. And then that never played into the match at all. No, it played into the finish. Uh, I guess. Because they,
0: but the problem is they went so long and they didn't do anything with it, like you forgot. But they did like the way he got like kind of rammed towards the end, like was into the bad shoulder. Mm-hmm. So they they, play they
1: went so long that it seemed I I didn't forget, but it seemed unimportant.
0: Yeah, but there's yeah. there's a later one, I think it's Buff Bagwell where he does something and like buffs on the top rope and like grabs his gut and like falls into the rig.
1: <laughs> was this one Bagwell was still the masked stranger?
0: Handsome stranger.
1: Oh, mm. okay. I always mess that up. But the handsome stranger. okay. With the mask on.
0: No, the, you're like, thinking look, about if, you're thinking about um you're thinking about the, the Midnight Rider.
1: Well, I thought that Bagwell's um, handsome stranger was that he wouldn't take the mask off until he found his true love or something yeah, like that.
0: Yeah, he was saving himself for for marriage.
1: And the fact that that was Buff Bagwell's gimmick is honestly, it it should really be funnier than it, it is. But um, anyway... <laughs> So yeah, this just went too long. I, it could have been. It started out fine, but just
0: I don't know. Speaking of speaking of masked men, if if anyone wants a good radio skit saga, the the East Side Dave is the Midnight Rider on Ron and Fez is hilarious. Okay. It's very pro wrestling. That show is very pro wrestling.
1: Um. Next thing in my notes is there's another question segment, but I knew something was up immediately because they put the name of the guy who supposedly had the question on the screen.
0: I missed that name, and I, I assumed he was going to be a manager guy.
1: What was his name? It was like Larry or something. Oh. And Yeah. It, and then they're like, what's your question? I don't have a question. I'm here to talk about Muck and Sing, and I'm here to – and I'm just like, never mind. I'm not – like he he just starts ranting and not well, <laughs> and I'm just like okay, well you know.
0: I I, I want what, to have whatever. a comment though. Um, they need to. I I don't know if they change this, but they really need to not have Joe Petticino do interview stuff and let Bonnie Blackstone do everything because she's far better at at interplay with people. Yeah. She's much better at playing off of people and giving them stuff to riff off of than Joe is.
1: Uh, that's yeah, that's fair. And
0: that's she's fair. much her cadence is better like when she introduces like she's much more of like she must I th- was she like a like a news person or anything do you know Matt?
2: Uh I think she was. Let me actually look that up. Cuz
0: she's 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 got like a very good like TV cadence like she knows how to like to talk and like to not, you know, to just kind of keep pushing it
1: forward.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. WWE yeah, had her for like two shows and said she was too southern, which is weird. What?
1: Yeah. Never, never mind that. That's one of the more hotbed wrestling fandoms. I thought,
2: but... I thought Vince liked people who could do southern accents. I guess just people, not actual southerners, only people. No, who not could actual. Southerners. Do the accents? Okay, okay yeah. just people who could do a fake southern accent. Okay. Uh, da, 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 da. she. Okay, she's was... all right. I'm trying to. I oh, sorry. I'm trying to read this in like real time.
0: Yeah, I know <laughs> so... it's hard when you're skimming and trying to yap at yeah. the same time.
2: Yeah, she. It's... She grew up in Riverdale, Georgia. Da 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 da. Uh, oh, she. I don't know. She definitely at least had started. She looks like she was a reporter, maybe.
0: Okay. She sounds that like a reporter. That sense. Like, her cadence is very, um, trade.
1: Oh, she
2: was a, she was like a model first. Yeah. Then, okay. She's still got uh,
1: 80s hair here, too. Yeah. Well,
0: this is 91, like, and yeah. this is like Georgia and Texas that she was.
2: Yeah. She was in. Okay, I don't they don't specify on Wikipedia, but they do indicate that she was a quote popular on-air personality in regional territories of the Southern United States during the 1980s. Okay. So that they, they don't they don't really go beyond that, but it does seem like she had experience.
0: So I would have doing stuff. I would have like just on, had I would have had Craig Johnson and Scott Hudson just commentate, not do interviews. I wouldn't have had Joe Petticino do interviews. I would have had Bonnie Mm -hmm. do all the interviews because she's better at it than all of them. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Which is why um, that was my problem when they had Renee Young commenting on WWE. Like, I always thought she should have been like in the mean gene role because that's what she was good at, not commentating. Mm
1: -hmm. But, you know, they
0: never use anyone well.
1: She wasn't good with commentary because she wasn't able to talk herself because nobody is on that desk.
0: Well, and Corey like, Graves, like Pat
1: McAfee's the only guy that can.
0: And Corey Graves doesn't shut the fuck up either. <laughs> and and honestly like she's proven that with her podcast stuff like she's a good interviewer. Mhm. But yeah, I would I would have my takeaway from the f- episodes we've watched is it's a it goes a lot better on the interviews when bonnie's doing it
2: yeah i i i think we've mentioned this before but it's like kudos to joe penicino like he was apparently he's like 15 years older than her and a larger man a man of larger carriage uh let's
0: just Uh, let's just say of um let's say he's going pound for pound with muck and sing (laughs) kind of
2: Uh, but they got they got married and they, they remained married until like his death recently. Yeah. So it's like wow. He died yeah, in 2019. Like, he did quite well for himself. Yeah, it was pretty recent.
0: Well he did pretty well. Like I don't know what he did when he went back to Atlanta after all this, but he was successful post GWF and out of wrestling.
1: Mm-hmm. Good for him.
0: He seems like I'm, I'm... I mean this ended badly and we've ripped on him a little bit but Joe Petticino seems like a nice man.
1: He he's a nice man it's just he was naive. Well, I mean if you're the owner, yeah, he's naive. And wrestling is a very carny business with people that will take advantage of that, but then the other th- side to it is also, you know, uh, I mean, he took he took a shot and also if you're the owner of the company and decide you want to do something, ain't nobody going to tell you you can't. But, you know, he took a shot and, you know, made a decent go of it, which is, you yeah, know, that's all right. Yeah. It's it, it. The Wikipedia says they owned some local radio stations in Georgia and was the sales manager for a radio station in Atlanta. So, you know, good for him.
0: Yeah. You can do well with that stuff. Yeah. So that's uh, the next one is uh, Jimmy James versus Big Bully Busick.
1: Yeah. So they've been building like since well I guess this is just the third episode but they've been really consistently riding on the bully busick using the heart punch thing. And like they they've been riding that horse hard. Um but oddly enough I think he's right. That it's not a heart punch.
0: It's kind of like a thumb jab into the chest. Like it's not necessarily well, a punch. We, we've talked about the the mechanics of it before. And it he does do it differently enough. Where I think he is. um, Let's shall we say. Technically correct. The best kind of correct.
1: Well okay. If you're doing a heart punch. Literally what are you doing? You throw a punch to the heart.
0: That supposedly stops the blood flow for half a second. Which makes
1: them pass out. Yeah, he's punching them on the right side of the body. He's not punching them on the left side where the heart is. He's punching them on the other side. So. I wouldn't say he's punching
0: them either, really.
1: Well, I'm, I'm going more on about the what the. the location as opposed to the because i feel like
0: i feel like but i mean i'm talking about we're getting into the mechanics here but i feel like when i've watched it a couple times a couple matches of his i've seen in gwf i feel like the primary contact point is his thumb not his fist which would not make it a heart punch
1: i don't know i was just kind of buying the (laughs) buying the kayfabe of him punching them but I'm and, talking
0: about like the mechanics of it though. I think he does have a point because I think I think if we're getting into the nitty gritty, like you said, the kayfabe. I think the prime. It's like um, it's like when they they talk about bad hits in like hockey or football, and they talk about the primary contact point. I think mm-hmm. if you get into it that way, the primary contact point is the thumb, not the fist. So is it a heart punch if he's making primary contact with a finger? I'd
1: have to go and watch it, but. It could be what um, – I had an old boss who had been an EMT, and he, he referred – there's a, a life-saving technique he referred to as a pericardial thump. You know that thing in movies that people do when, when CPR, quote, isn't working, and they, like, straddle the body and just start punching them? Yeah. That's what that is. And I, I don't know for some reason your description reminds me of that. But, again, it's on the wrong side, so – I if if it's not a punch, it can't be a heart punch. And if it's not on the heart, it can't be a heart punch.
0: Just as a random aside, because you're making me remember my various times (laughs) in CPR class. um, (laughs) If you ever take CPR training? It's absolutely brutal. And you you spend the whole thing praying to God you never have to do this to a human being.
1: I was a CPR trainer. Um, It is not an easy process. There is a reason that whenever you do see like if you see people like people who know how to do cpr they actually position they put the hands on the chest but they position their shoulders above their hands so they're not using their arms because it's hard like yeah you're using your weight and your torso to press on the heart and you're having to flex the rib cage to do it, it yeah is hard. and you
0: and just like they're gonna tell you in the thing like the, the things they told us, they're like, yeah, you're going to break their ribs and they're probably going to throw up on you. And I'm just like, oh, fuck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that, that's why they recommend having the mouth guards for doing the mouth to mouth. Yeah, because I was if like, you're going to do that
0: because like they're like, they're going to break their ribs like, oh, like I'm going to have to kill Then like they're going to throw up on you like,
1: oh, come on. Well, e- even if you don't do the rescue breathing, like, for instance, I don't know, they have a massive facial injury. The 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 compressions are the important part but i yeah i was a i was a cpr trainer for two years and i trained a lot of people well
0: they they've and, changed it a couple times in the last oh, like 15 they always, years they I'm, always do that because i i haven't done it in a long time but like the compression thing every time i look is different like the compression That's so they, breathing ratio and all that stuff
1: yeah, that's that's so that they can they can justify charging you for retraining.
0: Oh, I thought you that's had to do it every is. year because like first aid, I think you're good for like three years. I know, I know keeping my first aid like um, cert up was really easy, but like the CPR one, like you constantly have to.
1: It, it they haven't changed it as rapidly, but they do change it every so often, and it's like, well, I gotta get reser, I, I gotta get the. And yeah, I've I've had to do that, but. Cause you'd the, be surprised
0: the, at the number of people that don't know if there is an impaling wound, you do not pull.
2: Yeah. I'll the leave item there. out, you just uh, bandage
0: it around it, and dumbasses it, pull it out all the time. It's like idiot, like. It,
2: it, because I, we have an entire, at least one entire generation of people who, who they they've grown up with movies and think that it's like the movies, and it's like no, no. Movies are ridiculous anyway, like in movies, like you can have people like literally get shot with like an arrow and then like they keep fighting or they do something. And it's like if you get nope. shot with an arrow in real life, like you're done, like even if it doesn't, it's not in a non vital area where you're going to die from blood loss or damage to an internal organ. Like the amount of force that happens and damage to the surrounding structures, like you'd be done. Like if you get shot in the air, like in the shoulder. Like you're fucking can't use your arm. Like well, you probably broke you, um, your clavicle. It's gonna hurt. And you're gonna, yeah,
0: and you're you're like, gonna go. 59. You're gonna go into yeah. shock. And yes. then if you you you'll probably survive. Like you probably won't die from blood loss. You're probably gonna if, if if without modern medical treatment, like the infection is what's gonna kill you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And a lot of
0: these a lot of those arrows were like poisoned or like they dipped it in urine mm-hmm. and stuff. So you're gonna be going uh, into septus real quick too. Oh, uh,
1: not urine. Yeah in
0: shit. Ah um, yes, because, that too.
1: Yes, that's point, what point they is, would do that. Because that's that's basically biological warfare on a small scale. Yeah.
2: But point is like people people don't people aren't realistic. That's why whenever I mean they're obviously this is a controversial subject, but anytime there's like a police shooting um, whether it's justified or not, there's obviously, obviously in the recent times there's been like a racial component to it. I'm not trying to get into that. I'm just there's trying to say like whenever they're... they're
0: like shoot them in the leg, it's like that's not yes. how a gun works.
1: Whenever,
2: idiot. whenever yeah. Whenever there's a shooting, people are like why? Like either they'll be like why did not they just shoot him in the leg? It's like that's not how they're trained. Number one and two, it's not that easy. Well, no. and the other the other thing is that they'll be like why can't they just shoot the gun out of their hands? It's like it's like, it's just not a, a fucking lethal weapon. Well, movie. Yeah, that so, is that is not gonna. Just yeah. the mechanics
1: mm-hmm. of firing and hitting anything moving, just hitting anywhere <laughs> on the body, hitting someone who's running, yes, even if they're running parallel to you, is freaking hard. So Then you want to do it with a moving part of the body? You want me to try and hit a moving hand or a moving leg? No. and Especially here, if I'm having to pull my gun and fire. If they're having to pull their gun and fire, it's supposed to be like, a lethal force situation, I'm not... Sh- you know, they're not trained to shoot to wound. If the gun's gonna come yeah. out, then they're told you've gotta be willing to kill somebody when that happens. So,
0: yeah, so, like, let's let's talk about this from... Because I've, I've done the CCW stuff in Ohio. So, okay. here, here are the things. You do not touch your gun unless you're gonna kill someone. You do not do yeah. it to intimidate people. If you're gonna pull your gun, you're gonna kill someone. Because otherwise... Otherwise, you could lose the gun and end up dead. Um, but here's the reason why you don't shoot people in the arms and legs. Because you shoot for center mass because you, um, if you go for the leg or the arm, your chances of missing exponentially go up. And yep. if you miss, a bullet goes something like half a mile if it does not hit a target. So your chances of hitting some innocent bystander that you can't even see are astronomical. Even in your house if you miss it's going to go through your house and it might go into another house and kill someone so if you're mm-hmm. going to if you're actually going to point your gun and shoot at someone you better damn well be prepared to hit them because otherwise your chances of killing some innocent bystander are just really, really high rude. it's why you see like in chicago all those poor like children that end up shot because some jackass fired at someone and missed and hit yeah. someone so you don't that's why that you shoot for center mass the other reason is um even if you hit them in the arm um the chance of the bullet just going right through and keeping on its trajectory and hitting an innocent bystander is still fairly high and you also don't shoot them in the leg because even if you're shooting the wound you might if you if you do anything to their femoral artery they're dead yeah
1: yeah instantly there's There's no stopping. That's such a big vessel.
0: Yeah. that that It's
1: just going to spurt and they're going to die.
0: And that's what people don't understand. Like when cops shoot someone with a knife and they don't think it's proportional. Thing is, if if someone comes at you with a knife and they nick your carotid, you're dead. You're dead in like 30 seconds.
2: Well, even beyond that. There, there are people. Even people like self-defense trainers will say this. It's like you, you basically, if someone has a knife, you cannot let them get within there's and there's a certain amount of feet. Yeah. Twenty feet. That they Twenty feet. Okay, yeah. There's you can't let people get within twenty feet of you, um, or else you they could kill you or cause really grievous bodily injury to you very quickly. And and people might think like, oh, twenty feet's not that. No, twenty feet is easily, easily you can make up twenty feet and like a couple seconds if you're if you're like fast if you're like if you're joe pettacino <laughs> running at you like maybe you got a chance but most people like no like 20 feet you can clear that distance and like nobody's business it's in the amount of time it
1: takes to draw turn off your safety because you damn well better have your safety on aim and fire that's no. not like that that's the kind of time it takes you and someone armed with a deadly weapon coming at you is not the time to screw around. Yeah, yeah and
0: I just want... Just as a side note, that, so I have I have several guns, and I have a home defense gun that has a bullet in the chamber, and I literally have it in the case in the safe with a post-it note on it that says, I have a bullet in the chamber, so <laughs> no one... No, you, that's why you do it, because I don't want to have to tell everyone, hey, there's a bullet in the chamber. Be fucking careful with this. I put a post-it... And even for me, so I remember... Yes, yes, there is Iceland's a bullet. Loaded. Yeah, like it's not it's loaded. There is a bullet in the chamber. If you pull the trigger, a bullet is going to come out of this because there yes. is there is a bullet in the chamber. Um, So I, I, I put a post-it on it because it says there is a bullet in the chamber. And if 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 someone is in the house that is like watching the house, I tell them about the gun save. I don't necessarily give them the combo. But I said there is a nine millimeter in here. This is the one. It has a bullet in the chamber. Don't touch it. Because yeah. there is a bullet in the chamber, and that's different from it being loaded. That means there is literally a bullet ready to fire in it. Yeah. How did so we get here punch. again? The heart punch.
1: <laughs> it's not a heart punch. It's a bully blaster.
0: Um, I think it... we are t- thinking about um, Arn threatening to murder <laughs> Malachi Black with a Glock.
1: Armed Anderson. Armed someone hit
0: the horseman music. The uh, the, have... the monkey meme was my favorite that has like the face paint like scribbled on him.
2: Oh yes. <laughs> For those who don't know, there's there's a there's a meme where it's like the the it's from like I think it's like a, a Spanish uh children's show, but it's like the monkey that yeah. looks like looks at the camera and then like looking side eyes, or it's supposed to represent like they're not sure about something or they're nervous about something. Yeah. And it was like yeah. someone someone mocked up did like a Photoshop of the monkey to look, had like this like drawn on beard. (laughs) It's supposed to be like Malachi black. I
0: I found that because I was looking to see if someone put him on the Contra cover Mm. with his, with his (laughs) Glock.
1: My favorite uh, of the whole thing was the, when they memed armed speech over that uh, self-defense for, for seniors video. Oh or yeah. It's got the guy that does call an ambulance, but, but not, not for, for me. me. <laughs> my f- and, and and he's like, someone pulls you over, you say please don't hurt me. But I pull my Glock out and put it to their head, and that's when the old man in the video turns around with the gun in his hand. <laughs> I want um I want
0: I want a shirt of the you can't spell NRA without R. Oh no, it's you N R A is R and spelled backwards.
1: Yeah. <laughs> there have been so many amazing memes that came out of that but then if you want to take the piss out of it I sent that to my brother because I was getting such a laugh out of it and he's he's a kind of casual wrestling fan but his response is well I mean it's pretty funny it's just I think Arn has shitty taste in guns (laughs) so okay yes armed Anderson yes heart punch muck and sing interview that was the next thing I have in
0: mind. Is this notes. a new one or is this a repeat? Because so nah, I did watch this, but they've done so many recaps of other stuff so far that I kind of was like, I think this is new, but I'm not sure.
1: They do a lot of the same stuff, but it's a new interview.
0: And I mean, I get that this is a daily show, so they don't want to, like, move too fast. Yeah. And what can sing like his interviews have been good so far?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's he's a well uh, you know he talks about the boss and he talks about uh, you know how Mucking Singh is going to run everybody over and stuff like it, it's a basic heel interview but it's a good promo.
0: Man, they used him as Bastion Booger in WWE and they could have actually done something useful with him. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Friar Ferguson.
1: Mm. Well, he was Norman the Lunatic in WCW. He was Big Josh too, wasn't he?
0: No, that was um, Matt Bourne. Why do I keep thinking that that was? Because the Big Josh thing makes you... Because, I'll tell you why. Because they called him Big Josh, and that makes you think he should be big. And Matt Bourne is, like, just average size. Okay. That's what throws you off. Because you hear Big Josh, and you think, oh, it's a big guy. And then it's like Matt Bourne. it's like, I don't, you know, it's like, I don't think of big guys when I think of Matt Bourne.
1: I remember that Big Josh gimmick having some awfully Dumb pieces to it. But the one of his key moves was the log roll, where he you'd be laying on the mat, and he'd like stand on you and like run his feet. And it's just like, oh god, that's so stupid. Yeah, it's so dumb.
0: They were, WCW really wasted a lot of talented guys and dumb gimmicks.
1: Yeah. So uh, McKinson cuts a good promo, and then we go to really. Honestly, this is a pretty special match because um, we get Gary Young versus Buddy Landell. No,
0: Shad, say it right. It is gorgeous. Gary Young.
1: Oh, sorry. Yes. Gorgeous. Gary Young versus the real nature boy, Buddy Landell.
0: So, so Gary Young is not probably well known. But if you've watched any amount of like Texas wrestling in like the late 80s, like world class past 85 and stuff like you've seen him pop up on stuff. Like, he is a local yeah. Texas mainstay, I'd say, by this point.
2: I feel like he was in a lot of GWF, or maybe USWA, because I, I remember Gary, Gary, gorgeous Gary Young, and I was a fan. Like, he was. Did he form a tag? This is like. I'm pulling this shit from memory, and I don't know if this is true. Looks like he had a tag but,
0: title run with Steve Casey, a.k.a. Stephen Dane, with the GWF tag titles.
2: Okay. Hmm. I feel. Was he in a tag team or involved in some way with ho- excuse me, Hollywood John Tatum?
0: I don't see any tag titles with this. It looks like so. So I'm looking at his his titles here. So he, he and Cactus Jack had the CWA tag team titles, which is the Memphis Belts, four times. Mm-hmm. He had some tag title runs with Don Bass and then some with Max Payne. And then he and Gino Hernandez had a tag title run in '81 in World Class, and then he had um. He had the Texas Heavyweight Championship when they like World Class went to that WCWA name, and mm-hmm. as the Super Zodiac.
2: Okay. Uh, looking him up, it looks I I can't have imagined I saw any of this, but big professional wrestling. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> he did hold their tag their tag team titles one time with Gary Young. Okay. I feel like I saw them in something. I feel like they were they were involved in like a like a tag team or like a stable or something in and it would have it would have had to have either been in like World Class or USWA or GWF. but I, I can't really recall if this is something that I'm actually remembering or just making up in my head.
0: I'm kinda of looking at his history results here. Ooh, he wrestled um Austin Idol in nineteen ninety. Mm. Oh yeah, here he is. He um he was teaming with John Tatum a bit in the USWA in Dallas. Okay.
2: That's 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 what it was. I definitely saw the, those two like working together.
0: I need to stop looking at this and talk. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what this is now i'm really like pulling shit out of my memory um it may have been in cwa and continental but do you guys remember a, a worker named named billy joe travis
0: yeah he teamed up with um he and jeff jared i think teamed together and if you watch like the uswa texas yes. stuff from like 90 he's like doing like A fake like Elvis gimmick to fuck with Bill Dundee
2: Mm -hmm. I I'm probably misremembering this because it's you're you're asking me to pull something from my memory from like like 25 years ago but I think it was USWA he there was some sort of I quit match and he was like Billy Joe was feuding with with like the face and it was like an I quit match where it wasn't even like the it was like the face going at someone else but part of the yeah, I quit match is like Billy Joe Travis comes out and he like gets the microphone and it's like the heel puts the, the, the face that he's feuding with. He, like, he puts him in like a, know, like a submission hold or something like that. And Billy Joe gets the microphone and he's just like, he goes, I quit, I quit. in like this really Southern accent, I quit, I quit. <laughs> it, it sounded nothing like the face and the ref was like oh he he must have quit and like rings the bell and the and the face loses that's and funny. it's like this is the dumbest <laughs> way to, to lose a like, quit match like this that you're the the ref buys this voice that clearly didn't come from the worker it came from like off in the corner and it's clearly like a different accent
0: oh, God, it was yeah. he, died, he died of a heart attack in 2002 at the age of 41 that's young yeah
2: he must have been doing some stuff like <sighs> 41 41-year-olds don't drop dead. Yeah. Yeah, not generally.
0: So this was... So what I liked here is... um, (laughs) Buddy Landell is just a fucking dick. And he keeps, like, fucking with the ref and, like, blaming it on Gary Young.
1: Yes, I love that, because he does that twice early on. You mentioned that part where he pops the ref when the ref tries to separate him in the corner. And then the ref turns and looks at him... (laughs) And Buddy Landell throws an arm around the ref like he's going to protect him and points mm-hmm. his finger at the other guy's like, you back up. You don't do – like he goes through this whole thing to gaslight the ref for the first half of the match so that the ref will look poorly on the baby face for the rest of it. This was like, and I don't think I've ever seen anybody do that before.
0: It was a really understated kind of funny comedy match. Mm-hmm. Like, in kayfabe, it's not a comedy match, but watching it, like, Landell is just being a, a douchebag the whole time. Yeah.
1: And the, here's the thing. Landell sells really well through the course of this. You know, when when, when <clears throat> Gorgeous Gary Young, you know, hits him with something. Landell is, is selling big. So, you know, this was... You know, for the longest time, I I, I unironically thought of buddy landell is you know the joke that they that you know part of the gimmick is without realizing it but you know i'm not giving the guy enough credit he's he's really good at being just an utter dick of a heel and 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 that's that's i know i've, I've hit the soapbox before but there's too many people wanting to be a cool heel and that should if that and the what chance could go away i i would be so happy
0: i tried to find it for you but there's a smoky mountain um promo with him from like the early days where they're doing this battle royal and he's like he's like you know it's like i'm gonna go outside i'm gonna roll around the mud i'm gonna get myself all nice and stinky before i get in there okay (laughs) it's just hilarious (laughs) Like I said, he's willing to just be such a prick. Like, like I said, though, like just I know the bits you've seen of him now that's changed your opinion. Like, I think he's honestly bulletproof where, like, he doesn't need to win just because he's so obnoxious. He can get it back just by talking.
1: See, the guy that got me into the business, BJ Fuller, was so good at pissing people off. Like, you know, BJ could walk through the curtain and take like three steps and people would hate his guts. Because you know, BJ knew what he was doing in the ring. He had a good handle on it, but he was also and one of the things he taught me. And when you're being a heel, just find everything that you can think of to do to be utterly despicable. Even you know, if if you've got the guy in the corner, choke him. Not because you need to, but just because you can. Because you're a prick. You know, if if you're gonna put a finger in your finger in his eye. Make sure everybody except the ref sees you do it. Why? Because mm-hmm. you're a prick.
0: You had and to watch. want um, everybody
1: to see what you're doing, so they hate you for it.
0: You had to watch um, Chuck Taylor back in the day on indie shows. If you mm-hmm. were not being diligent about your water, or your drink, and he saw <laughs> it, like he would be on that thing like a f- fucking panther and chuck it across the building.
1: I, uh, one time, I, I as a heel. It was it was the wife of one of the workers who was there with their kid and and she kind of knew what I was doing. But I stole the kid's sippy cup and used that to throw water in the other guy's face as a heel just yeah. because I was like, what's the most prick thing I can do? Can I take some? No, I'm going to take a little kid's sippy cup to do it.
0: Well, the, there is a Chikara show and it's the best live healing I ever saw. So they they um, it was Prakash Savar and the the um how oh, fuck what was his name it was the something bear of moldova boar sorry okay oh uh, what the fuck was this first okay so anyway <clears throat> so they're accusing i think icarus like that his water is spiked so they I make the referee icarus. they make the they make the referee taste his water and then they go and they get this woman's water at ringside and they're like we'll try this to see if it tastes different so they make the referee <laughs> drink it so then there, so the boar, I think it was the boar, might have been Sabar, who was an X Pac ripoff, okay. like literally, like so he grew up in like this like communist country and all he had were X Pac matches, so like that's how I learned to wrestle. And they had they had X Pac, they had X Pac commentate one of the matches and he's not talking and and they say something he's like he's like he's like oh I'm sorry like I've never I've never seen someone like wrestle my match like you know i've never seen my match from this (laughs) side of the of the Mm -hmm. the booth before like as a joke but so they go to hand this woman back her water and she reaches for it and right as she's about to touch it they just drop it like on the ground (laughs) and the whole the whole crowd kind of goes quiet and there's Uh, like this ooh, and i was like wow that's really like that was really a good heel
2: move yeah yeah you are uh you're talking about the proletariat bore.
0: Yes, the proletariat bore, <laughs> yes. Moldova.
2: Uh, we've talked about Chikara before on the show. We don't. We kind of don't give it enough. We should probably like review a Chikara show at some point. But yeah, uh, the formerly known as Dasher Hatfield, who has on the indie scene become a uh, very
0: good professional wrestler. A
2: very yeah. good professional wrestler. That's his name.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, but he has now. I guess he has in AEW, or has potentially sh- shortened his name to Avery Good, which is a very, actually, clever play on the, a very good professional <laughs> wrestling name. Yeah. But Avery Good showed up on, a, was it Dark Elevation? Oh, yeah, he did
0: nothing. He just got the crap kicked out of him for, like, five seconds.
2: Ah, uh, that sucks, because I would have wanted to have, see him. in the, I, that AEW has, like, so many guys that I'm almost at the point. Yeah. I'm proud of I'm at the point where I'm like, please don't sign any more people. Yeah. Because it's like, I, I don't know how you have... Air time to do everyone, including that's with including like dark and elevation. But uh, that's a guy that I actually would say, like, you should, if you can, hire him, hire him because yeah. that guy's a really good worker. I think he could be like a solid, at least a solid mid card talent for you. And maybe even if he catches on, like you do a little more with him.
0: We, we talk, I think we've talked about <laughs> on the show before, but the best, I think, modern indie healing I've seen. Was that clip we saw where Ray Phoenix kicked Audrey Edwards and Edwards yeah. in the head, and oh, she yeah. like she goes like completely limp, and you can feel the crowd just go like really bad. Oh,
1: mm-hmm. the like the air sucked out for half a second, and then the entire building is just like, "You son of a bitch!" And
0: I, and like we were watching that, and I'm like, wow, Phoenix has got like some big balls for like doing that. <laughs> yeah, but she did it like. Her selling was like so good too because she didn't bump or anything. She just went like limp and like yeah. went down like a ton of bricks. Like mm-hmm. it was, it was like really good healing.
1: That leads me to believe that the spot was planned for her to to oh, react Oh yeah, but that I mean, perfectly. like
0: I I think Not a like
1: lot of a spur of the moment uh, ref bump thing.
0: No, but I think I think a lot of people would be too pussy to do that. Like, at a show like that, because, like, you knew what was going to go
1: bad. <laughs> the, like I said, the only time that that worried me was at outdoor shows. Um, because <laughs> <laughs> that could get real awkward real fast. But, uh, I don't know. I never really had the opportunity to, to, or I never took the opportunity to slap a ref around like that, so.
0: Cornette has a good one where he almost started a riot where this old woman came at him with a chair and she like fell over on her own. And he said like the crowd turned really bad. Yeah. Because he didn't do anything, but you know, an old lady just fell over in his presence. Yeah. And you know, he was the heel and he said like, like he bolted to like the middle of the ring and like, it didn't turn into a riot, but like it almost did.
1: Yeah. And, and when Cornet, like I, I found a few things that were mixed in with other stuff here lately, but you know, talking about, cornet talking about when he started loading the racket it was it was not for gimmick <laughs> it was like so the damn thing would be a weapon for him if he needed it and it's like ah given that time period i get it i think that's when i first heard yeah first heard about it i was like
0: because eh. some of those heels talk about the old ladies were the ones you have to you had to watch out for yeah Cause I know Zellner talks about his mom or his grandma, or it was his mom or his grandma and her sister would go to the show and they'd throw ice cubes at the heels from their drinks Yeah. back mm-hmm. in like the, the day. And I think it was Tim told a story on one of our live streams with him about his, um was it his dad or his grandfather getting thrown was, out of like a San Francisco? It was his,
1: his grandfather. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But um, yeah. Um, and that's I, I that. wish
1: I could find a picture. I'm sorry, Brad, I interrupted no. you. I wish I could find a picture of... At some point, it was like Bill Watts or someone stripped the cover off Cornet's racket as part of a thing, and there's like a horseshoe woven into the weave or something. I wish I could find a picture of it.
0: I think it's Just, Offa was talking about from the, the Wild Samoans. He was like, they would go to the L.A. shows, maybe, or the, um, maybe it was San Francisco. And he said there are some they were such problems at the shows that someone was like like either ban them or train them or something like that because they would yeah. cause so much trouble.
1: Yeah. Uh I, I don't remember specifically but I I yeah it was something like that.
0: Yeah. But anyway, um I thought this was a good main event. This was I I'm looking at what we've watched. I don't think I think the Patriot versus Stan Lane has been the best of these early shows match-wise, but I thought this was an entertaining... I thought this show was a lot better than Episode 2, which really... Episode 2 had a lot of pacing issues, I thought.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I agree
0: with that. Because I felt like this had recaps, but I feel like they did the big recap of the tournament, which they need to stop doing that, because it's just too many matches to recap, but... I felt like this one did not have that issue where I felt like the first 10 minutes were just recapping the last show.
1: It was it was the first uh, full segment, but there were more matches, so they were just showing the finishes on it. The very last thing they do on this show was something you had mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. They, just, they just do a standard Patriot interview, but it gets Patriot on the show. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's a good move. But, I should've... mean, it's just a...
0: He should have been on the last interview. show because you're you're your top star, which he obviously is. Even just from even just from look and presentation, he's obviously a step above everyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he should have been on the last show. Like he should be your he should be on every show, even if it's just for a quick
1: promo. Just a quick promo. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: He's, like it, I said,
0: he's obviously from everything from presentation like He's just he feels like he is a step above everyone else on these shows.
1: The pay, I finally put a finger on what the Patriot reminded me of. Did I don't know if, if any of you guys read it, but there there was the string of um I think it was tied into Infinite Crisis where uh, everybody thought that all the freedom fighters were dead except for the Ray, I think in yeah, DC comics. That. Like the Ray You remember the return of Uncle Sam in that? And like they they found his hat and they looked in like, what the heck? And they walk in there and like they walk in and they find like these great planes there and they find Sam. He's like, no, this is the heartland. This is if something happens to me, if, if my body's gone, this is where I come back from. Like the Patriot reminds me of Uncle Sam from the Freedom Fighters, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and he's a little. I, I think he's a little raw on the mic. He needs some work, but I think he he gets the he gets the point across, which I think is all you can really ask.
1: Yeah, he does. He does fine.
0: He communicates the information that he needs to. It's not flashy. It's not amazing, but you can at least understand what he said. Which sometimes with these promos of this era, you really don't know what they <laughs> say sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Like there, I've seen I've seen some Tommy Rich interviews from like Georgia where like it's like what the fuck did he say?
1: <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, they they don't hold a cohesive line of reasoning like Steiner math does, so
0: Well and I think I think some of the problem with those eighties promos is you mentioned lines and I think some lines were done before some of right. these guys talk.
1: <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know it's time for a promo? Yeah, I'll- bump right for it uh be right there something like that are you are not taking a bump in the promo no i'm doing one before the promo give me a minute something like that
0: that that was those are my favorite mean gene outtakes is where someone's like completely he does it a lot to um oh who's he doing a lot to there but when when a promo's totally going off the rails and bg's just laughing because they <laughs> and the camera like zooms off of him
1: When Mean Gene starts laughing, you know things have gone off the rails.
2: Yeah. Matt, what did you think? Uh, I liked this episode more than the last one. I kind of faint praise. I I didn't think this was as good as, like, the first episode. No, it wasn't. But it was better than than the second one. Here's something I was, like, confused about. They... They indicated at the very beginning of this, like, oh, the last four spots. And it's like, what? how is the quarterfinals, like, only 12 people? How is it not, like, a 16 people?
0: So what they did do... they give
2: certain people buys? They, they've, like...
0: they've explained this once or twice, but I don't think they did it on the next. <clears list. throat> so what happens is, is they get to the end with three people. They do a coin toss, and whoever wins the coin goes to the final, and the last two guys have to wrestle to get the last guy into the final. Does it so
1: sound overly complicated? Yeah,
0: so, so like for this one, you get to the end. I'm gonna spoil it, but it's you know it's 30 years old, so fuck off. Um, <laughs> so we get to the we get to the final with Chris Walker, the Patriot, and Buddy Landell. So what happens is Buddy Landell wins the coin toss, and then Patriot and Chris Walker have to wrestle, and then the Patriot wrestles with Buddy Landell for the belt. Or like when we watch the the light heavyweight tournament. Um, Jerry Lynn won the toss, and then Sean Simpson and X-Pac had to wrestle to get to Jerry Lynn for the belt.
1: Just the fact that they took Chris Walker that far, that was not not a good move.
0: Everyone was like, I mean, he gets a WWE job, job, like a couple months after this and gets like a little bit of a moderate push, but like, this is like the height of wrestling body days. Like I, like, I think people just looked at him and they were like obsessed with his body, but I don't, what I don't get, and I think he's an okay talker. They haven't used him yet, but I don't understand. Like, I don't know. I'm not in that industry, but looking at the two of them, I thought Patriot has a better body personally.
1: It's it's he's got more mass. Walker's got lots of definition, but it, it, it's not a. You know how some people will bag on Ultimate Warrior for just being a look, and I think that's unfair, because Warrior had a physical charisma and he, he was dynamic and energetic, even if he got blown up.
0: And he like was he would he was he was. So there's there's a classification I like to make in wrestling is there you have stiffs and yep. this is on the bottom. End. you have stiffs and you have luggage and <laughs> no. And I mean, this is this is this is going to sound like an insult, but it's not like a stiff. You can only get so much out of luggage, luggage. You can get something great out of if you're really good because they're game enough that you can you can carry him yeah and warrior was luggage like you don't have as good a matches as some of warrior stuff without being at least luggage level and having some ounce of ability
1: in my head the term stiff is attached to body guys who don't know what they're doing or like nathan jones great. Um,
0: yeah
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: um who else from that era like uh Daniel Rodimer who was just they were just like sure they were going to make something and he just sucked um, guys like that um, whatever
1: happened to Ron Waterman I don't know why that popped in my head That's
2: before. wow that's a blast from the past yeah. I think he just sucked
1: did he? <laughs> I, I know he was in developmental for a long time and look he seemed to be a really nice guy he had UFC pedigree that sort of up given that his moniker was Ron H2O Man Waterman. I'm like, that's that's what you're going with. You're going with H. You're just rewriting his last name differently as a pun. God, but you know, it, that was all. It's like I know he was in development for developmental for a while, but I was curious whatever ended up happening to him.
0: Uh, he went to New Japan for a bit. He did like some raw stuff. He's in the HWA. Um, it looks like he just sucked. Like New Japan gave him oh. a six month run and he just wasn't good. He worked bull Canon on dark matches. Oh, he made an appearance hmm. on Heat. No, that was a dark match. Never mind. No. Oh. <laughs> hmm. Okay. And how shows. Um, I think he just sucked. Eh, fair enough. He's working like dark matches on Jacked and Heat. Like you know that's that's sad.
1: Yeah, that's probably not the best sign but,
0: but they, they like a lot of those guys didn't didn't pan out but yeah so so in my opinion um my opinion on the low end you have stiffs which are guys that are just totally incapable giant gonzalez would be a, a stiff uh
1: yeah i can see that
0: um and then you have your guys that typically are not good but they can be carried so i i refer to them as luggage
1: Stiff being as in too stiff to actually do anything.
0: Stiff is in a corpse, is how I tend yeah. to envision. envision yeah. Yeah.
1: I we're 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 I think we're kind of talking at the same point, but yeah. Yeah. Um. Could you know can't work, can't bump. Um. There you are, but.
0: Two left feet, like we we've, we've talked about that before, and then Matt Matt and I have talked about that phenomenon before, where everyone's just over the moon because they have like. Some six foot five guy working an indie date and you go and the guy has two left feet and he just sucks.
1: Yeah, yeah. That that was the that was I think my saving grace is that I was a tall dude, but you know I could I could at least move and get people behind me. I may not have been great, but you know I was all right. Yeah. So uh, I think that'll do it for this episode. I believe we've got another stream with Tim coming. Is that right?
0: Yes, I believe we're talking about Invasion Angles.
1: So that's supposed to be... Is that, what, is that supposed to be on the 12th?
0: This will be... By the time this drops, it'll be the day
1: after. We, we will have done it, yeah. So, so. But you could go look for it.
0: We're going to come back from this, because this was the end of, tail end of a double recording. Um, we're going to come back with part four, which has... Um, the I guess the semi-finals this gets weird because this this ends up being seven parts so they do two episodes for like the quarter and semis and then like the real semis are like an episode and then the final is an episode so um it goes seven and it's like I I haven't minded these three episodes but I it's re- I couldn't imagine watching this live because it's wearing out its welcome as a tournament. And there's still three more after this. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, kind of wearing out its
1: welcome right now.
0: <laughs> it's just too long. Like, you should... Yeah. Like, 12 first-round matches is not good pacing.
1: No. no.
0: And I understand it, they had a lot much. of content to fill. But like we said, like, you kind of... Like, we're at the point where three episodes end, like the tournament really prevents you from like the promotion, developing a personality and starting to get to know people because you have to bring a fresh slate of guys in every week.
1: Yeah. And you, you don't get with that sort of thing. You don't have much promo time. Like, uh, the only person who's had, there are two people who've had three that have had consistent promo time. And that's Patriot, Muck and Singh and bully Busick. Mm -hmm. And it's like uh, I mean, if you're going to give it to people, those are the people to give it. I guess those are some good people to give it to. But I think
0: Buddy's had two promos, too.
1: Has he? Okay, then then he would be there with Patriot. But, you know, it's like this is really. you, You guys are hamstringing yourselves in doing it this way.
0: Well, and they had like they had that Stan Lane and Jim Cornette thing on the first episode or two episodes later and it hasn't gone anywhere or be yeah. mentioned again. Um, you know, some guys like Billy black who won a match have not gotten like any promo time. Yeah. It's just, it's, it could have been
1: better. Yeah. And, and they're starting with, they're, they're honestly just starting with too many matches. You know, if, if you're going to be doing a tournament and putting it on TV, starting from the quarters is, is probably where you'd want to start from.
0: Yeah. And I'm, and like you need you need like at least I mean, I know this is a daily show again, but, you know, by episode three, someone should have at least wrestled two matches to really like start getting them their placement ingrained with people, even if they're just squash matches.
1: Yeah. So I went to go look at the. If I can find it in a. Uh, so it's. Two, four, six, eight, ten. Like the the biggest, like one of the things that springs to mind for me for a tournament, but it's all in a self-contained setting, it was the Survivor Series Deadly Game Tournament, right? Except here's the thing. These tournament matches, like the first round stuff, was all short. 30 seconds, three minutes, three minutes, eight minutes, six minutes.
0: And that was bad anyway.
1: Yeah, it, it wasn't great, but oh, I'm sorry. And one of them was three seconds. So but, you know, they're all they're all short. So, you know, pop, 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 pop. And it was all self-contained onto one show. So it wasn't like something that stretched out over a period of time. It's like it, it it's all right there. One thing.
0: And I honestly think for for as much as they stretched this out and for as many matches as they did, I would have chopped it down to eight guys and done a round robin with like sure. the, the top two guys in the in the final because at least then at least then even the losers would have gotten to wrestle a couple of matches and you really could have like gotten some hierarchical hierarchy figured out in that time and um there would be some especially since this is on ESPN like you you can do some standings and stuff like that to really entice people but it would help it would help to at least, like, show you, oh, well, um, you know, oh, Sweet Daddy Falcone went, like, oh, and four in his block. Like, he sucks.
1: Yeah. You, you can do more establishment that Yeah. Way, but All right. Well, everybody, thank you for uh, joining us for this episode. We'll be looking forward to hear from you on our social media. We'll cover some more GWF here soon and... All that being said, this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth. We will see you next time.